guilty soul condemned by shame hear mercy calling out your name his blood can cleanse your every stain bring your failures to the cross hello and welcome to the community bible church podcast where we have been doing a chapter by chapter weekly discussion of the book Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dean Ortland. For those of you who don't know or don't remember me, <laughs> I used to be the pastor of this church, and I'm thankfully still am. <laughs> Matt Owen, getting off sabbatical uh, all summer. <laughs> I've been the oh lead pastor at Community Bible Church of Orange Park, and I am joined by Joseph Brader, pastor of worship and discipleship here at CBC. Joseph, how are you? Great. Welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. Tell us everything about sabbatical in the succinct podcast form. Yeah, well, let's just start with day one. Yeah, great. I I did some packing. (laughs) (laughs) No, the uh, speaking of packing, we had this this, uh, bag that we put like our luggage in on the top of the van uh-huh. and we went all over the place through a variety of different states and and had no problems with it and pulled into many garages through drive throughs no problems but when we finally got home I pulled into our garage excited to finally be at home <laughs> and forgot that the bag was on top of oh, our van no. are you and, serious yeah so oh man it made this like huge sound it ripped the bag. It, yeah, it's it sounded worse than it was, but made it all the way. So, yeah. That you was, just took a start to finish. Yeah, that was it. From packing to pulling in the garage and breaking your Yeah, so day two. Van. No. <laughs> uh, so you had some guests on yeah, the podcast. Yeah, we did. Okay, that's good. So people didn't have to hear me the whole time. So what, you had Fred, Jim, yep. Linda... Yeah, Linda and Tracy. Tracy. And Carly and Lindsay. Oh, Carly and Lindsay. Okay, that's yep. right. That's right. Okay. So. Yeah, it was um, fun. Hear a bunch of different voices and get to have some conversations with a, with a bunch of people. Yeah, that's good. Well, thank you for taking over that, the rest of that podcast. That's a lot of episodes. So obviously the book is over. Uh, over. You know, yep. everyone's read the book and we've gotten fantastic feedback mm-hmm. from people. You know, it's uh, it's Rotten Tomato uh, rating would be like a hundred. <laughs> yeah. And with good reason. And with good reason. Really? Yeah. Um, lots of people have been very helped, but not everyone has loved the book. No. And there's one particular, we knew this when we were going to, when we started reading the book, we knew there was a particularly negative, I guess, for lack of a better term, review yeah. that we read, you know, before to, to consider. And, you know, anybody, anybody with a blog can post you know anything so yeah you have to weigh or a podcast yeah <laughs> as it turns out that's true <laughs> that hurts yeah but anyway this was the grace to you blog which for those of you who don't know you know that would be macarthur's ministry though the broader thing there's lots of people writing under that but grace to you put out a, a pretty significant critique of the book maybe even going so far as to recommend against reading the book so because of the source you mm-hmm. know of where it's coming from a pretty well-known pretty well-known group yeah we thought it might be good to just do a you know brief podcast talking about some of those objections and yeah so 
to kick kick that off, you know, what it, it's a pretty long review. I don't Yes. I don't know how many words it is, but I printed it out and it was like 11 pages. It's, it's, it's lengthy. Yeah, yeah. So it was a, a lengthy review, but any of you can Google it and, and read it. But if you could summarize, what do you think his main, Jeremiah Johnson's the guy, I think that's Phil Johnson's son. I think it's his son. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Phil Johnson, for those of you who don't know, is the guy that writes MacArthur's books. Basically, he's the guy that takes things MacArthur's have said, has, has puts them in a book for him. So I guess this is his son. What what are you what would you summarize his objections as? I, I think he's concerned that Ortland has gotten out of balance, which is ironic because Ortland's trying to correct things that he sees as out of balance. But I think uh, he's concerned that Ortland is out of balance in terms of the attributes and character of God, mm-hmm. both as as they are displayed in Christ and then in the Father Himself, because uh-huh. he kind of talks about both of the, both of those things. So he he argues that there is. Or I guess that the emphasis on Christ's gentle and lowly and merciful spirit is inaccurate. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not an accurate way to portray mm-hmm. the character and heart of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, he goes so far as to say, "What's there's a there's a quote." He he kind of accuses Ortland and the book of a dangerous and significant departure from classical theism. <laughs> uh, so he's saying that he's got something so wrong about the heart of God or the character uh-huh. of God that it's verging on heretical uh-huh. which feels strong that's a that's a shot across the bow it is a shot across the bow <laughs> maybe a shot into the bow <laughs> yeah that's a better way to put that uh, he was concerned with what he saw as a lack of emphasis on divine wrath and uh-huh. judgment and i think maybe a lack of clarity as to maybe it's a maybe it's a lack of clarity as to who the audience of this book is uh, itself but a lack of clarity about the character of god and the gospel mm-hmm. in reading the book that could mm-hmm. maybe leave people confused about sort of god's orientation towards yeah. him, if we could put it that way yeah yeah i think that's a i think that's a fair summary and you're right you know i i i tried to go through the article and highlight some of the some of the statements that he makes that are you know, just they're just so strong. Yeah. Uh, yes. You know, he says things like the man-centeredness of Ortland's gospel is exposed yes. early on. It's just, you know, there's kind of sentence after sentence, and and then like the significant departure from classic theism. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It certainly is not measured in any way. <laughs> no. Which What's is not? interesting because, obviously, we we want to. Um, exercise critical thinking Absolutely. when we're, when we're yeah. reading things. But, I, you know, I would think there would be a little bit more of a measured critique given the fact that the, the book, for the most part, was almost universally well-received. Right. I mean, you've got people, I, I looked at the, it, you've got people like Michael Horton. Mm-hmm. You know, so Michael Horton's a guy that's, we'll get into this maybe just a little bit, but in Divine Impassibility. Yeah. I mean, Michael Horton's a guy that's written about divine impossibility. Correct. I mean, <laughs> you know, you got Brian yeah. Chapel, Trip, you know, other D.A. Carson endorses the book. Yeah. So you just think, you know, if, if I'm if I'm going to write a critique <laughs> that's that strong. Yeah. When all of these people it's like they could all be wrong. It could be. But these are all people that, you know, we've we've all trusted pretty yeah we pretty we, deeply i think we can have our luther moment where you know what everyone is wrong i guess right. yeah sure <laughs> but but you would think that would that would temper it a little bit yeah 
Like even the even the spirit of the way it's written could be, you know, I appreciate I appreciate these aspects of the book. And he does at the very end try to try, I yeah. think, to to say a few things that he appreciates. <laughs> but you, you would think you would think maybe a more measured critique would be like, I, I see it this way and while I see what Ortland has done what he's trying to do maybe he hasn't done it enough to make me satisfied you know that's sure that's a review right. i could see or here are a couple of questions that i wish could be yeah. answered that i'm you know that um that i have as yeah. i'm reading the book something like that yeah. yeah divine impassibility which we'll talk about okay that's tricky mm -hmm. and i wish he'd said it this way or that way sure. you know or let's we need to be careful that we don't do this but yeah. but even the way it was even the way it was posed at the beginning and at the end of like basically people have gone through covid Mm -hmm. and they're discouraged. Yeah. So that's probably why everyone latched onto this book. <laughs> Just seems like yeah. a hmm, really? And then the fact that the the you know the idea that people the the idea that most people are are far too have far too much license with Jesus. Like they yeah. need to be reined back. Yeah. You know, I Pastorally, I think I would. It would be both of our experience, and now here I'm doing all the talking. But pastorally, I think both of our experience would be that with our people yeah. and the people we talk to, it's the yeah. exact opposite. It's, For sure, it's people need to be reminded mm -hmm. <laughs> of grace, not hey, you guys are taking this grace thing too far. Right. For sure. So that was that was one thing that kind of struck me just about the tenor of the yeah. the reviews. Man, that's that's coming in really hot yeah given the almost universal acclaim and the the, the people who are endorsing it mm -hmm. yeah one of the things that he one one of the things i think that you were were hitting on as as one of his critiques is that Ortland isn't always careful enough he's not balanced right so talk talk about that a little bit because one of the things that he criticizes it the book for is that it's not Warfield's essay on the emotion of Jesus. So right. do you think that criticism falls flat and why? Yeah. I mean I absolutely think it, it does. Ortland's not writing this book to the same audience and with the same purpose that Warfield was writing this essay. Like mm -hmm. Ortland by his own admission is not trying to write a full-bodied Christology. Yeah. He's trying to encourage Christians who are who are discouraged by the um basically by I guess by legalism, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's the legalism that kind of lies latent in us all mm -hmm. to some degree or legalism that maybe has been imposed on us from outside. He's trying to push back against or he's trying to encourage Christians, I guess, by pushing back against a view of God that says he's always out to get you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's not trying to write John Owens like the person right. of Christ. Right. So it just seems like the it seems like a critique like that just is a misfire. Mm -hmm. It seems like you decided if I can say this, I don't want to assume motive, but now I'm already down the road of saying this. So I'm going to have to say it. And if I'm assuming motive, you tell me. It kind of feels like they had already made the decision. They wanted to critique the book. So now mm -hmm. let's find everything possible that we can yeah. do to, to mm -hmm. rip it apart. And yeah. That's how it reads to me. Yeah. Yeah, it does feel that way in in places, and I think you're right. Some of the criticism is you didn't write the book that I wanted you to write, right? Which is, but the book isn't about every aspect of Christ's emotional no. life. It's about it's called gentle and lowly, mm -hmm. 
And, you know, he says, Gentle and Lowly is neither as thorough nor as balanced as Warfield's essay. Which, to which I would say, well, one, I think, I think Ortland points out in numerous Kate in numerous times throughout the book, these things are also true about God, but my book's yeah. not about that. Right, for sure. But even in the the whole the whole balance thing, one of the things that Warfield says in that essay, "The Emotional Life of Our Lord," when he's talking about when he's talking about this this aspect of mm-hmm. of Christ's emotional life that that Ortland's writing about. Warfield says the emotion which we should naturally expect to find most frequently attributed to that Jesus whose whole life was a mission of mercy and whose ministry was so marked by deeds of beneficence that it was summed up in the memory of his followers as a going through the land, quote unquote, doing good, Mm -hmm. Acts 1138, is no doubt compassion. (laughs) So the emotion which we should naturally expect to find most frequently attributed to Jesus, dot, dot, dot is no doubt compassion. Yeah. In in point of fact, he goes on to say, this is the emotion which is most frequently attributed to him. (laughs) So Warfield himself, while he's he's writing about more dimensions, I think would support what Ortland's written as far as it goes. It would seem that way. (laughs) Yeah. One of the things we've noticed is that that, uh, Ortland quotes the Puritans, you know. Yes. Again extensively and again, and again and i don't feel like the art the article mentions that he does that mm-hmm. but almost almost brush it did you did you feel yes. like it almost brushes it aside yes that's one of the things that um has stuck out to me a little bit just as i've been looking back through it before the podcast he recommends some puritan works about the emotional life of christ and the compassion of jesus while basically glo- glossing over mm-hmm. and ignoring the fact that I, it felt to me sometimes like some chapters, a third of the stuff I was reading was just quotes from Thomas yeah. Goodwin yeah. or someone else, you right. know? So that was an interesting thing. I don't know. Do we, you probably don't want to get into why that is or isn't, but I, it is, it's a noticeable thing. Mm-hmm. Well, you can get into whatever you want. I mean, it's, you can not, or I, you can I, choose to, or yeah. not to get into whatever you whether, want. Whether or not this is it's an intentional decision to do this, I think, uh, including, or maybe, a. uh, a more accurate assessment of Ortland's interaction with other authors, particularly Puritans, with you know who we who we really respect, mm-hmm. I think would tear down a lot of the article. Yeah, I think. Yeah, because now you're forced to fight against all of these other historic theologians that we have great respect for. Right. Yeah. So his, uh, you know, one of the big things that he's concerned about, and it, and is a big concern, is impassibility yeah for instance the the westminster confession of faith well i'll just read a a piece of it where it talks it doesn't use the the term impassable but it describes it it says the westminster confession says there is but one only living and true god who is infinite in being and perfection a a most pure spirit invisible without body parts or passions okay Mm -hmm. that's where we get impassibility from immutable immense, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, most wise, most holy, most free, most absolute, working all things according to the counsel of his own immutable and most righteous will for his own glory, etc., etc., etc. And I'm reading just an article on this by Derek Thomas off the Reformation 21 website, which would wholeheartedly affirm, you know, divine impassibility. Yeah. 
and it asks a question well without passions you know what does that mean and it goes on to describe the the classical doctrine it says what what the confession is not saying is that god knows nothing of emotion or feeling whether joy and delight or pain and suffering rather it's saying that no one or thing may impose suffering pain or any sort of distress on God in such a manner that God experiences such things unwillingly. Mm. So if we can say one thing about, if we can say something very positive about what Johnson has written, it's that that's an important doctrine. Okay? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we do great damage to the, to the being in essence of God. If, if God is just, if God is just being affected, things are happening and he is, he is just responding to things because that's cutting at his immutability. Yep. Now he is a changing being. His states are being altered by mm-hmm. things external to him. Yeah. At a, which point, without getting into all of the whys maybe in the mechanics of it, like the whole, the whole theological construct comes crashing down. Right. Like you can't have that. Right. So we have to find ways of understanding things that the Bible talks about, about God taking pleasure in things, yeah. God weeping, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a spirit can't weep literal tears, but God, the Bible talks about God uh, weeping over things. Yeah. We have to understand that that some of that's the language of accommodation, mm-hmm. trying to, trying to describe to human beings who are very much passable <laughs> based on what we've had for lunch uh, (laughs) or how well we slept last night you know we experienced those things but then to take that to a a very different direction where where god experiences expresses these things almost like a robot is is going too far the other direction Mm -hmm. and i know i'm talking a lot but i just want to read i do understand because we and we talked about this in the in the podcast on page 138 Ortland says he is, if I can put it this way, without questioning his divine perfections, conflicted within himself yeah. when he sends affliction into our lives. And we we talked about that. We talked about we can understand what he's trying to right. say. But we didn't love that language. I either. didn't love that language. Yeah, yeah. I didn't love that language. Definitely. I think we can see Ortland struggling yes. to communicate. Because he also lives within these parameters and understands these theological categories. But the very next page, the very next page when he's talking about God's, what his his natural work and a strange work. Yeah. The very next page he quotes Goodwin, Mm -hmm. the Puritan that he doesn't seem to understand. Yeah. And... (laughs) And Goodwin says this, my brethren, though God is just, yet his mercy may in some respects said, said to be more natural to him than all acts of justice itself that God does show. Yeah. I mean vindictive justice. In these acts of justice, there is a satisfaction to an attribute in that he, in that he meets and is even with sinners. Yet there is a kind of violence done to himself in it. The scripture mm-hmm. so expresses it. There is something in it that is contrary to him. I desire not the death of a sinner. That is, I delight not simply in it for pleasure's sake. When he exercises acts of justice, it is for a higher end. It is not simply for the thing itself. There is always something in his heart against it. Huh. Well, that, that's said more that's, strongly than Ortland's quote. That's way stronger than... than <laughs> way stronger. So Thomas Goodwin could be wrong, yeah. right? So yeah. we, we could say that he's wrong too. Right. 
Uh, but, but then let's I critique that. But too, I don't right? like, think I don't think Ortland has misread any of that, and I no. don't think he said it as strongly as Thomas Goodwin has said it. No, and with more caveat. Yeah. So I I just I just think that in that respect the mark the mark is 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 missed yeah. here. Yeah. Probably pretty badly, to be honest. Yeah. I think you know at the end of the day, Ortland wrote a book to Christian people Mm -hmm. in which he grapples with some pretty significant biblical texts that the review, in fairness to it, can't take the time to grapple with. Yes. But, you know, when you, you can pull quotes out of the book, but those quotes are based on, you know, a fair amount of consideration of biblical passages. Mm -hmm. So we have to do something with those passages. Mm -hmm. It's based on a reading of the Puritans, which I think is a pretty accurate and well-documented and understood reading of them. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe there is a lesson here for us in just, I don't I don't know what the motives were, and I won't pretend to know mm-hmm. the motives of, of this post, but I think that we ought to develop a better skill at reading things charitably. Yeah. I, I think it should be our posture to give the benefit of the doubt as yeah. much as we can. And I also think, well, maybe, and maybe this is just connected to it. When, when we, one, one aspect of giving somebody the benefit of the doubt is recognizing that n- not everything can be said about a subject. Yeah. And especially not everything can be said about a subject like this. Yeah where you can caveat your, yourself to death. Yeah. I mean, even in a sermon, mm-hmm. like you just, you have to receive a sermon. You could ask the, well, what about, what about, what about? Well, For no sure. sermon could possibly do it. No verse no. of scripture. If you just take an atomized group verse of scripture, if you just take, if you just take that verse about yeah. being gentle and lowly, you can say, what about all day to it and recognize yep. the Bible says a lot of other things too. Right. But we're just talking about this thing right now. Yeah. And no sermon or author, nothing can do justice to it, which is why we have to read each other charitably. And hey, if you want to write an article that says, I feel like there are dangers here. If we're not careful, we want we need to make sure we avoid these things. Yeah. Fair. Sure. That's fair. But, you know heresy yeah a man-centered gospel i cannot just being honest i cannot conceive how one could reach the end of a book that's so much about jesus and conclude, <laughs> yeah and conclude that it's a man-centered gospel i just i don't even have categories for this yeah i would i i would uh, have to completely agree with you on that i don't either you know, I've been monologuing a lot. Anything, no, any great. thoughts that you have had uh, about or anything that you want to bring up or questions that you want to discuss about the critique? No, I don't I don't think so. I mean, I have, you know, a million thoughts floating around in my head and a million questions left unanswered that are probably never going to be answered. To much of them, I think speculation is not helpful. Yeah. So, you know, I'd, I'd rather just just for me personally, kind of be able to close the book on it, no pun intended, yeah. and just just take the book for what it was because it was uh, it was incredible. You yeah. know, I said on maybe the last podcast that I think it's my favorite 
modern Christian book mm-hmm. that I've ever read. Yeah. Uh, and I stand by that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I was telling people before even we knew that we were going to do this, I was telling people it's the best Christian book I've read in 10 years. It's phenomenal. You know, the one that I go back to before that's probably Packer, Knowing mm, God. Sure. Yep. <laughs> it's it's that good. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think, you know, we like I said at the at the beginning, we wanted to talk about it one because the source of the critique has more weight, right. I think. Yep. And secondly, I think it provides a contrast of what we want to be. Yeah. We don't want to be good. people that look at the at the jacket and say, "Oh, well, if these people are recommended it, it's fine." Right. Oh, and we don't want to be the kinds of people that's that say a book is either good or bad. Sure. Because books are books are mixed. Yeah. They're written by humans. Yeah. Everything is everything is mixed. Everything uh, is a product of yeah. fallen um, human creativity. So we and we should read critically. Absolutely. We should read everything critically. Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't get a book and say, oh, if the author is this name, <laughs> then I can turn my brain off and accept it. Right. We don't want that. Yep. We don't want to say, well, if these people endorsed it, turn your brain off, accept it. Yep. We don't want to say, if the Puritans said it, turn your brain off, accept it. I mean, scripture has got to be our final authority. Yeah. But we do want to read authors charitably. And we want to recognize the limitations of of language. Like you just can't say. So you need to you need to decide what this is about. And then I'm going to talk about this. These things are all true, but I'm talking about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it has been a fantastic, fantastic uh, time. I hope you've been blessed in reading the book. I hope you've been encouraged in some respects by listening to the podcast and hearing our discussions. We're already thinking about what we might read together next year next year is going to be on us faster than <laughs> yes it faster is. than we'd like to think yeah so that's that's all i got anything else you got to say no no i don't think so okay well then i'm going to say my last thing my last time do it sign off matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 says come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Find your comfort, come you lost and find your home. There is grace for every sinner, perfect rest in Christ alone.